figuring out what kind of the general demographic is of your couples yeah. and, and target that. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. This is a quick message from Maddie from the beyond before we start today's episode. I've been using a new tool to record my podcasts. And while it will eventually be a change for the better, in the meantime, I'm having to learn a new piece of technology as a person who does not consider themselves particularly savvy with technology. And unfortunately, you're going to be able to hear that in today's episode. The audio is not great. Um, My audio specifically is not great. The good news is my guests sound amazing. And they are the ones who are talking the majority of this episode, but unfortunately my audio is a little bit muffled. So I figured out what I did wrong, but this is a great episode that I don't want to keep from you just because of an audio issue. Um, There's really great content in here that I know you'll be able to apply to your business. So if you can just stick with me through this episode with uh, poorer audio than you're used to, we will be back next time with normal sounding audio and hopefully myself understanding more about this new tool that I'm using. So thank you for your patience and understanding. You're probably delivering galleries that have too many photos of your client looking at the camera and smiling. A personal brand photography session is so much more than a gallery of headshots. A good brand session should leave your client with a library of images thoughtfully curated to grow their business. These aren't just pretty photos. They're pretty with a purpose. Brand sessions aren't just a million photos of your client's face, as beautiful as they may be. Galleries should be diverse and showcase not just the person behind the brand, but all the things that make up their business. This is how you create brand sessions that can really be put to work, and not just collect dust in the cloud when they change their hairstyle. If you want clients who use their images and sing your praises from the roof, download my ultimate personal brand session shot list. This list covers the 10 images you should be getting at every session, plus a bonus concept that will have your clients so thrilled they have to tell all their friends, which means more business referred your way. You can grab the checklist at maddiepashong.com slash shotlist. That's maddiepashong.com slash shotlist. Hello, welcome to Take It Personally. Today I am so excited for an episode featuring the talent behind Inkpot Creative. We have Jesse and KP with us today. Um, I would love to start with the two of you just introducing yourself. So KP and Jesse, I'll hand it off to you. Yeah, absolutely. So hi, I'm KP. I use she, her, hers pronouns, and I'm the founder of Inkpot Creative, which is a queer-led design studio building unconventional and impactful brand and website experiences for photographers. And I am Jessie. I use she, her, hers pronouns as well. And I joined the studio back in April of 2022. As the developer, I kind of started as project manager, but have kind of evolved into becoming the developer. So KP does all the beautiful designs, and then I take that and bring it to life on everyone's websites. I love it. Okay, so how did you both get started doing what you do now? So I kind of stumbled into it. Um, we actually have a podcast called The Unexpected Entrepreneur, and that kind of came about because I feel like I accidentally started my business 
So we both graduated in 2020 from college. We were college roommates. That's how we met. And I had been studying design, but I was really struggling to get a job with the, you know, the way the world was in 2020. And I ended up landing an internship at a course creation agency online. And I really lucked out because it really showed me that I can pretty much just start any business that I want. I kind of gained a few great mentors through that. And they kind of just showed me like, you can totally start your own business. And from there, I ended up starting a social media marketing business. Didn't like that that much. Um, and then over time, it kind of morphed into brand and website design. Um, for a little bit there, we did do just website design. And now we're both back to doing both again. But as far as to why I really focused on website design was because I had originally intended on working in a publishing house. So I'm a huge reader, always have been. And my dream was to like design books. I'm just like a sucker for a good layout. And I kind of found that websites are just interactive version of books and just kind of where I found my happy place. Oh my gosh, that's so... Okay, are you on book talk? Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm so obsessed. I just, as an aside, I literally last night just finished, I was reading Fourth Wing and then um, Iron Flame and just finished it last night. Is that on? Have you guys read those? I've heard good things about those, but fantastic. I have not read them. Absolutely fantastic. Yes. Okay, I love it. <laughs> Jesse, what about you? So I actually started off, once we graduated... I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I got my degree in psychology. My original plan was to go to grad school, get my PhD, become like a full-fledged psychologist. And then we did our last semester online because of COVID. And I was like, nope, this isn't for me. I don't like online school. I'm kind of done with school right now. I don't really want to go back for another, I don't know, seven years that it takes to get your PhD. So I ended up applying to like 150 different jobs and I got one interview and I ended up working at the company for almost two years doing customer service. And it was, it was fine, but like, I wasn't happy. It wasn't my thing. I didn't love what I was doing every day. And KP was at the point with Inkpot that she was just getting really busy and overwhelmed and had so much on her plate. And I was like, you know what, why don't I just quit and do this? And worst case scenario, I can go get another job. Like if this doesn't work out, I can always just go get another job and, you know, we'll go back to how it was. But I was unhappy. She was overwhelmed. And I was like, this seems like the best bet. So I took a couple of design courses in college. Like, I guess technically I have a minor in graphic design, but I really wasn't. I'm not a design minded person. That's not my thing at all. You can ask KP, anything I design doesn't look great and like isn't ever actually put out on Inkpot because it's just it's not it's not that good. Um, but the development side, totally picked that up. I had never done it before. KP was just kind of like, here's how you do it. And I picked it up and ran with it and I love it. So I kind of just saw KP's need of being overwhelmed and wanting to kind of grow the business and expand, but not being able to do it by herself at that point with how much work she had in and how many clients were coming in. It was growing. And, you know, I was like, let's, let's try it. Worst case scenario, it doesn't work out, but so far it's been I don't know, a little over a year and a half now, I guess. And, and it's been great. So I'm, I'm loving it. I love that. Okay. And then talk to me a little bit about who you're typically working with. I actually have been doing some Googling the past couple of days, trying to find a show it website template for my photography studio business. 
And it's been really interesting to find all of these different show it web designers who have different specialties. So talk to me a little bit about your specialty. Yeah, so we have kind of worked with a lot of people over the years, but recently we've kind of started to niche down and realize that who we love working with and who kind of fits with us best is photographers. Uh, This has ended up being recently a lot of wedding photographers. um, Mm -hmm. And we've kind of found that a lot of people that are coming to us are wanting to kind of move into a higher market, a higher end market. Um, And it, it gets to the point where, you know, your website doesn't necessarily match the photos that you are taking and you want to raise your prices. But when people go to a website that doesn't look great and then see, you know, $10,000 for a wedding, they're kind of less likely to trust you than if you have like a really drop dead gorgeous site or anything like that. So we have kind of niched down to basically photographers or wedding industry professionals in general. We've done uh, like wedding planners and and stuff like that. But photographers are like our jam. We love working with photographers. You always have the most amazing photos. So it makes like the design part and like putting pretty pictures up there super, super easy. But yeah, kind of that that photographer looking to take the next step, go up at the next level um, has been our our go to client for the past probably eight, eight or 10 months now. Yeah, I'd say one of the things too, that's really cool about the photographers that we work with is they tend to be very personality driven. Like one of the coolest things about photographers is that like you guys are in person with your clients and, you know, so you really have to mesh well with who you're working with. And when it comes to the design part, like a lot of the clients that we end up getting are like, yes, like tap into my personality when you make the design. And it really helps us create like those really cool, unique out there websites. Yeah, that's really interesting. That that makes a lot of sense because if you're working with a lot of photographers, it can start to get repetitive really quickly. But you're right that photographers, like you have to, the people who hire you need to like you in some capacity because you're going to be with them. (laughs) And so really focusing on personality, that makes your guys' job so much more fun, I would imagine. Yeah, 100%, yeah. So I obviously work with photographers. I coach photographers as well. And one of the things that I think has come up with just about every client that I've coached, even though I am far from an expert, is the topic of SEO. And I think that photographers, because we are creatives, are just like, it's like the word sends shivers down their spine. They're like, I don't know what it is, but I'm overwhelmed and I don't want (laughs) to. So we're going to talk about SEO today. So could you first tell us like, what is SEO and what do photographers need to know about it when it comes to their websites? Yeah. So first things first, what is SEO? So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And it's basically the way that people find you on Google. So our favorite examples are thinking about when you're looking for a recipe. If you want to, like I'm sure everyone Googled how to cook a turkey on Thanksgiving because everyone forgets how to do it. You only do it once a year and you're like, I don't know what to set my oven to, what spices do I put on this, like how long do I need to cook it? So when you Google something like how to make a turkey, you're probably going to come up with a bunch of things that go through and tell you how to do it, you know, what to set your oven to, how long you need to cook it, all of that stuff. So SEO is talking about the keywords that people are searching to find specific content. For photographers, that can be something like You know, we're in Las Vegas, Las Vegas wedding photographer. If you're planning on having a wedding in Vegas, you're probably going to want a wedding photographer in Vegas. 
So Las Vegas wedding photographer can be a keyword for someone there. Um, so SEO is talking about those keywords that people are actually searching to find you. And then when you get into a little bit deeper of like how to actually use it and once you know what it is, how do you actually implement it? There's a, there's a couple things you can do. Keywords are the big thing, making sure you have keywords on your site, on your blogs. Blogs are amazing. Everyone says that blogging is dead. Blogging is absolutely not dead. And so many people go to blogs every single day that it can give you a huge traffic boost. You can find clients who are searching for the specific thing that you're doing, whether that's the type of photography you do, venues that you like to shoot at, anything like that. So the, the kind of base, base of SEO is the keywords that people are searching to mm -hmm. actually find you as a business, you as a photographer, you as a service provider. So I want to stop for a second and talk about keywords because I think that this is one of the first things that really trip, trips people up and they try to make it more complicated than it is. So I love how you just described it. Like it's the words that people are using. So if we are taking that a step further, what are some other keywords that might be helpful as a, let's say a wedding photographer or a brand photographer? What are some other keywords that should be somewhere on their website besides the obvious like Sioux Falls brand photographer? Yeah, I think when it comes to what words to actually search for, there's a couple things that we uh, suggest when we're working with, with our photographers. So the first thing is going to be your location. Um, location is going to be great. When it comes to your website itself, you want to pick one location. Um, I know a lot of photographers, especially if you're, you know, in a bigger state or traveling around, or maybe you do destination, you might want to be like, oh, well, I shoot in Vegas, but I also shoot in LA and New York and, you know, Houston, Texas or wherever it is. You want to pick the one place that you are either at the most, where you're located, where you like to shoot the most. And that's the location that you want to kind of hone in on. Um, and you can kind of do like a city and a state. So, you know, we used to live in Denver, so we could do Denver wedding photographer or Colorado wedding photographer, if you mm. will shoot all over Colorado. But you don't want to have one page have a keyword that's Denver wedding photographer. And then the next one is Boulder wedding photographer. And then the next one yeah. is golden wedding photographer. That's going to confuse Google. It's going to confuse people. So you want to pick one location that you can target. The next is like type of couples that you shoot or type of uh, businesses that you shoot. So if you're looking at couples, you can do non-traditional couples you can do if you want to specialize in you know lgbtq couples and you love those people and that's who you know most of your couples are you can do that or figuring out what kind of the general demographic is of your couples yeah and and target that same thing with brands do you want to do small businesses do you want to do a specific type of business are you really good at doing like social media managers or web developers or anything like that mm -hmm. um or are you more like corporate big business type type uh, brand photographer. And then I think the last thing that you can kind of target is the style of photography you shoot. Mm -hmm. So if you have a specific type of style, if you are documentary photography, if you are really bright and bold or light and airy, you can try and find keywords like that because sometimes people will search for, especially with wedding photography, they might search like cinematic wedding photography or documentary yeah. style wedding photography. So having having stuff on there is kind of, a good place to start when it comes to your website. So location, the type of client that you like working with, and then if you do have a specific style that you shoot in, you can target that as well. 
Okay, very cool. So when you're using these words on your website, is it like more is more or is it okay for the words to just appear the way that they would in like normal copy, like just kind of as if you were having a conversation? What does that look like? That's a great question. So generally, we try to say write as human first as possible because mm-hmm. people are going to be able to pick up if, you know, same way we can all pick up now if things are written by like ChatGPT, people can tell if you're keyword stuffing. Um, so try to like infuse them into your copy as like human-like as possible. Um, a good way to kind of easily do this too can just be like using little subheads. So maybe like when someone lands on your website, you have like a line of text that, you know, really grabs their attention and says what they are. And right underneath, you could be like Las Vegas brand photographer. So there are like some nice workarounds that you can do. And again, just really making sure that it's in like your page's title and your page's meta description. And if you really want to go even further, you can also have it even in your page's like URL slug as well that you would like type into Google Mm. to go to that specific page. Love that. Okay, last question about keywords. When you talked about location, what do you tell your clients or have you ever had a client that wants to specialize in something like elopement photography? Like what did they say on their website? So I think when it comes to our, we have had a a good deal of photographers that do elopement or like destination things. Um, So our suggestion with that is to still pick the one location, either where they're based or where they do the most weddings, the most elopements. Target that location in your main website copy. And then what you can do is blog about everything else. So if you are doing, if you're in Denver and that's where you do most of your weddings, but you also do weddings in Boulder and Golden and Silverton and all across the state, you can have blog posts that talk about where to elope in Boulder, where to elope in Golden, where to elope in Colorado Springs, and still target all those keywords. Those are all basically every time you write a post, it's just an additional page on your site. It's another way that people can find you. So it can still drive that traffic in. But your main site and what Google is going to be like reading as who you are and what you do is going to be very clear and to the point so that it knows exactly like, okay, you are a wedding photographer and elopement photographer in Colorado. And then your blog has all this other great content that people are actually searching for in all of the other places that you take pictures in. So that can kind of be the same if you are, you know, a destination photographer. If there's one destination that you love or wherever you're based, do that. But then you can have where to elope in Italy and where to have your wedding in France and best places to get married in New York City and wherever you like blog about every single wedding that you do. Almost every single venue will have a keyword if you just type in like the venue and then wedding after. That is the easiest thing that we can suggest. Those are almost always great keywords because anyone else planning a wedding there is going to search like, you know, the little wedding chapels in Vegas they're going to do the specific chapel, wedding, or elopement, whatever it is. Um, so you can definitely target all of those additional locations, all the different venues that you shoot at all across the world in your blog, but then be kind of specific and singular on your website. I love that. Some of my best performing blog posts, even now, and I haven't shot weddings in years, but some of my best performing blog posts are blog posts that mention the name of local venues, like wedding at Sioux Falls Wedding at Blue Haven Barn or best Sioux mm-hmm. Falls locations for engagement photos, like those types of posts. And it's almost annoying at this point because I'm like, I don't want this traffic. <laughs> Where are my businesses? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So feeling good about keywords. 
what other tips do you have when it comes to uh, uh, SEO? So one of the biggest things that we see photographers skipping out on is going to be alt text. And this is good for SEO. Okay. I'm feeling targeted. I'm feeling targeted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is. Even our, everyone we work with, it's, it's, the, like, it's the bane of their existence. And we totally get it. But first of all, this is good for SEO. Um, Google likes to see that, they, that you have that. You can also potentially, like if you put the location or your name in the picture, if it ever shows up on Google, you always click like the Google image. If your name is in the picture or anything like that, like people might be able to see you and recognize from that. But alt text is also good for accessibility and Google yes. loves accessible sites. So anytime someone's using a screen reader, it's going to read the alt text on the image, um, which is also another thing. We see either people don't have alt text at all or they have alt text that is just a keyword or has nothing to do with the picture. At the end of the day, the biggest thing for alt text is accessibility. So you want to make sure that even if you do put a keyword in there, even if you do put the location that you that, you know, it is, you still describe the photo completely because someone who is using a screen reader, if someone is maybe blind, if you say Seven Magic Mountains, they're not going to have any idea what Seven Magic Mountains is in Las Vegas. But if you say, you know, a desert area with large stacks of colorful rocks, they'll be able to like, it'll give them more information than just a title. So alt text is the one thing it is a, it can be a pain, especially with photographers, because I know y'all love to put a million photos on the site. Which is also one of the things where we tend to suggest if you're doing galleries. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah. Keep it to around 30 to 50. We would say max 50, but generally 30. One, because people might stop scrolling. If you have 300 images in a gallery, odds are people aren't going to make it to the end of the gallery. So 30 to 50 gives them a good idea of what you can do. And if they want to see more, they'll reach out and be like, hey, do you have any more examples? And you can send them other galleries. But that also makes it easier when you go to write alt text because then you're not trying to write alt text for a thousand images on your site. So alt text is huge. Alt text is the same on blog posts. All of your blog images should have alt text too. So really be mindful about what you are putting out there and how many images you are doing and realize that every image you put out there is going to be a little extra work for you. But yeah, alt text is definitely our our first one. Um, and alt text is something that you are changing, like you upload the photo to your website and you like change the alt text there, correct? It's not like an export setting from Lightroom? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So for show it, for example, when you put a photo in um, on the little sidebar, it'll have the block where you can see the image and underneath it'll say description. So it, it depends. Different uh, website platforms have different names for it. Show it, we'll call it a description. Um, for blogging, if you use WordPress, which is what Show it uses, that will be alt text. Um, I think Squarespace might say alt text um, or, or something similar to description. So yeah, it's something that you'll upload the photo, you'll put it wherever you want it, and then you'll write the alt text there. Cool. The other thing that we see a lot is blogging without doing any keyword research. So Ooh. blogs are amazing and blogs can bring in a ton of traffic, but it only brings in the traffic if you're actually blogging about things that people care about. And when we say care about, it's not necessarily that they don't care about that wedding that you shot there. It's that they don't care about Josh and 
Jessica's wedding. They have no idea who those people are unless it's this small group of people who know them. Everyone's going to see that and be like, okay, I have no idea who these people are. I don't really care to see their wedding photos. But if you turn it around and say, you know, a magical Seven Magic Mountains wedding with Josh and Jessica, they'll be like, okay, I want to know about Seven Magic Mountains. And obviously this photographer has shot there and done a wedding there so I can see real pictures from it. So absolutely, it's vital that you do keyword research before you actually write the blog post just so you're not wasting your time because at the end of the day, that's what's going to happen. If you write a post that nobody's searching for, you just spent all that time and no one's ever going to find it. So writing what people are actually searching for and then making sure that what you're writing actually answers the like search intent of the question. So our like best example of this uh, is actually with travel. So we have travel blogs that we run as well. Um, And a lot of times you'll see people when they're looking for places to stay, they'll put in like places to stay in Denver or you know, where to stay, neighborhoods to stay. So figuring out neighborhoods to stay in is a very different search intent than places to stay specific hotels that you want to stay in. Um, So the best thing to do this is once you find a keyword, literally put it into Google and look at the first, you know, five to seven, even 10 posts that are ranking there and see what they're writing about. Make sure that what you're planning on writing matches what they're writing. So you're answering the same question that people are actually looking for the answer to. And then actually answer the question. Content is key. Everybody wants to see the photos and it's great. But when people are searching for, you know, the best wedding venues in Denver or a specific write-up about a singular venue, they want actual information about it. So talk about the venue, why it's great, different places. A lot of venues will have, you know, different ceremony locations to choose from and then different a cocktail hour or receptions locations to choose from. So talk about those. Give them the options of what it looks like. If there's anything special about the venue, do they have planners that will work with you? Do they give you rental stuff for free or include in the package or anything about the venue? Because at the end of the day, that's what people are going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for information about the venue, information about where to go. So make sure you're putting quality information in there that kind of covers everything that someone would be searching for. Okay, so I know that a lot of photographers get overwhelmed when it comes to blogging because it feels like, you know, one more thing that they have to do. But I agree with you. I I attribute so much of where my website ranks now to the hustle that I put in in the beginning when it comes to blog posts. And now, because I have a really good base of blog posts, it doesn't have to be quite as frequent. Like I can kind of blog a little bit more um almost haphazardly and it's still like my website still ranks really well so it was well worth the time that I put in but if people are just getting started and they're like I don't what do I write about what do people care about what do you guys recommend so our kind of first starting out thing is people love venues they love general listicle type posts of like the best 15 places to do something whether it's get engagement photos, couple photos, family photos, get married. People love... Or even regular photo spots. Yeah. Regular photo spots post ranks so well. Yeah. Oh, so people, yeah. people love those. Um, and people also love education. So a lot of times when people are doing an engagement session, for example, that might be the first time they're ever stepping in front of a camera. So things on how to prepare for your shoot, outfit ideas are 
like golden keywords most of the time, just like some form of couples photo shoot, family photo shoot, engagement session, outfit ideas, people are always looking. You can get even specific and do like a fall, winter, summer, spring ones. Mm -hmm. Um, But like education posts about working with photographers, sessions, what to expect, uh, different things that you could or couldn't do at your wedding, engagement, session, whatever it might be. And then for branding photography, it could even be as specific as like what props to bring, what should you wear when you go, like what kind of poses should you do, how to prepare for one, and then, you know, like different ways to use your photos once you get them. Um, Things with branding photography are also fairly easy to rank for. Yeah, very cool. And you guys have a resource for like lots and lots of ideas. Talk about that. Yes. So we have a freebie that is 60 blog post ideas for photographers. And it goes over a lot of things that we say. Um, A lot of them are just kind of like fill in the blank of here's the keyword, like put your city in. What city do you uh, shoot in or what state are you in or stuff like that? Um, The different type of photography that you can do. So it gives you a great starting point of things that people are going to be searching for. Um, And you can find that, I believe it's inkpotcreative.com slash photographer is where you can find that. But it just gives you a list. You can kind of take it from there. Use which ones work for you and which ones don't. And honestly, it can get you a great starting point for scheduling out a content calendar. For our clients, we honestly suggest if you can do two a month, that's perfect. Um, so you don't have to be putting out a blog post every other day or you know, six blog posts a month or anything like that. Just start with two, take your time, get it out there. Quality content is always going to rank better than just having a ton of posts out there. So yeah, you can take that. And even if you only pull, you know, maybe, 12 or, you know, 16 topics, that's, you know, six to eight months of content right there for your blog. Like that, that'll take you a long way. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Great idea. And then you guys have a really phenomenal template shop. So if people are looking for websites, but they're not quite ready to do custom, which you also offer, um, you've got that template shop. And then you also have a resource when it comes to SEO. So talk about that for a second. So we do have a monthly membership called Inkpot Creative Club. I know, so clever. But it's our monthly SEO membership where we have a live masterclass every month on a specific SEO topic. So when you join, you'll get access to all of the ones since we started. We started it back in August. So I think some of the past ones are like how to you know optimize your full website because there's different keywords for your full website versus your blog. There's ones on how to up or update your old blog posts. So if you've already like written blog posts and you're listening to this and you're like, KP and Jesse, like now I know what to do, but I've already written all these. What do I do now? There is a way that you can go in and update all of them. And those just happen once a month. And again, there's always replays. There's workbooks with each masterclass. And when you join Inkpot Creative Club, you also get access to our full blogging for business course, which is a course that we taught live earlier this year. I can't believe it's been so long ago. But it completely dives into the ins and outs of every step of the way, what to do when you're blogging. So where to find your keywords? We go through exactly like how to find them on a paid resource called Key Search. But then there's also like free versions that we mention. And then, you know, how to write your post, how to save time while you write your post, how to upload your post, how to publish it, what to do once you publish it. So it really kind of goes into everything you'd have to know. Awesome. And I will link all of this in the show notes so people can easily grab those links. KP and Jesse, thank you so much for being here today. This was a phenomenal crash course. And I know that we're going to have a bunch of photographers just making moves when it comes to SEL on their website. So thank you so much. Thanks for having us. 
Thank you so much for listening to Take It Personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show. Head over to Facebook and search Take It Personally Podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.